0: words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, hearing, I hope that hearing the gospel from Matthew uh, puts you in the Christmas spirit. The day of judgment is coming and no one will know. It will be like the days of Noah when they were all flooded away. In the Episcopal Church, of course, Advent is about preparation for Christmas, but it's a, a season unto itself, a church season, a liturgical season, the new year, and the liturgical seasons, the church seasons are not like the seasons of weather. Depending on what part of the country you're from, of course, you have four seasons or Two seasons or night and day, hot and cold, whatever it is. The seasons of the church year are not about change taking place around us, but about change and focus in our spiritual lives. lives of prayer, our lives of actions, our ethical lives. Advent is not a fall that leads into winter. It is a church season that leads into the joyful celebration of the incarnation of Christ. The birth of Christ. And yet, here we are these lessons, these lessons that are all about judgment. Advent begins with these lessons about judgment and the coming of the Son of Man and ends with the unconditional grace when we celebrate the birth that we already know, that we've been celebrating for over 2,000 years, the unconditional love and grace and light That is Christ Jesus born to Mary. Again, yet today we begin with judgment. A superficial reading. It's a judgment that is scary. It's a judgment that condemns, and yet we know that the judgment of God is not a judgment that condemns, it's a judgment that focuses, that liberates. It's a judgment that ends and frees you from whatever sin, from whatever sin and wrong that you have been participating in and frees you to love. To love yourself as Christ loves you, to love each other, as the summary commandment tells us to love your neighbor as yourself. It also reminds us to love God above all other things in our lives, all other claims on our lives—Advent, Advent, and Advent's judgment reminds us that God, in these in-between times, between the birth of our Savior and the full coming of the kingdom of God, in these in-between times, in these middle times where we live, God still has a claim on us. And we're not to be like the people who became complacent and and forgot to give thanks to God for the life of We breathe the life that we live. The people in the time of Noah who laughed at his faith or just ignored it. We're to be a people invited into the art of watchful living in these in-between times. Watchful, expectant hope. We are to watch for the things that are wrong and we're supposed to as well. Take notice of the things that are right. Watch for the things we need to work to change, but also be aware of the love that will not let disaster win or have the last word. I watched a movie. This, well, I watched a couple movies over Thanksgiving. We kind of do that. We like to go and see what's, what's playing. I love to watch movies. And at the end of one of those movies, there was a, a quote from a famous poet. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Nearby is the country they call life. Four Sundays, before Christmas, when we light candles to help us remember that there is no hate, no force, no greed, no violence that can overcome the love of God, We do that expectantly. We do that intentionally. We do that knowing all the beauty and the terror that exists in our world. And we go to that country nearby called life. And we praise God for it. Invitation to a, a watchful, hopeful, expectant life comes through the vehicle of judgment today. <clears throat> through the vehicle of judgment, which we know has been used as a tool, like swords or spears that don't have to be weapons of war. The swords and spears that Isaiah talked about, turning that into plowshare turning it into from, from, from a tool of conflict into a tool of community. The same thing happens with judgment today. It has been wielded throughout the history of religion as a, as a, as a tool of conflict. It can also be a tool of community, a life-giving tool that leads us back to where God would have us go. Remind us that we are not alone, to remind us that it's not all up to us, but we are to do our part. The invitation to a holy watchful life comes through the strange tool of judgment, which leads us... To embrace the present time in which we live, and to look with expectation for the surprises of the coming of the Son of Man, the coming of the Kingdom of God, which we in many ways have been complacent about, like the people in the time of Noah. It's not a call to do everything and be busy. It's not an invitation to a stressed out and anxiety-filled life. It is an invitation to a life surprised by the wonder of the Holy Spirit, the strength of God's Spirit to end and begin and recreate the things that need to end and be recreated in our lives and in the world. Now, judgment has been understood in so many ways in the Christian communities. One of those ways comes from this Gospel of Matthew that we heard, the part where women and men are out doing their work, and all of a sudden, one is taken and the other is left. Some Christians believe that there is a timeline that you can calculate by using the Holy Scripture, by using the things that are happening in our world, that there is a timeline that you can predict when the final judgment or the coming of the Son of Man will come. You remember just a, and a couple years ago when the Maya calendar ended, and, and then there were other predictions that come up every once in a while. Books have been written like the, the late great planet Earth and Left Behind series, in which literally some of us will be left behind and some of us will be raptured into heaven. But in this same gospel, read it. In the same gospel, Jesus says that not even the angels or him himself know when the day is coming. So when he's talking about that confusion and that perplexity and that not knowing, He's talking about not focusing on calculating the day you will be saved and someone else will be condemned or vice versa. He's saying, don't worry about that. I don't even know when that's going to be. The angels don't know when that's going to be. That's not what judgment is about. In that very same gospel. Other Christians think that judgment is about an individual concern. An individual concern where you do good, you get a certain number of points. You do bad, you get a certain number of points. And hopefully the balance when you die is enough to have St. Peter open the pearly gates to let you in. And if things don't go well, well... There are the fiery furnaces. But judgment is not primarily about individually calculated salvation. It's not about who gets into heaven and who gets into hell. It's about s- embracing. It's about embracing the love of God that leads you into a world, into a life of appreciation and sacrifice and love and grace. So there are so many ways that people combine those two understandings of judgment. But I would like you to consider that in some ways Jesus' language is symbolic here. It's not one or two. It's not here or there. He's talking about here and now and about God's claim on our lives and how we are not to be complacent or shallow John Burgess says that each day is a day of judgment. So I should always be asking myself, am I living in the way of Christ? Am I trusting in him alone? Have I allowed myself to be distracted? And there's lots of ways we can do this. When I'm feeling resistance in myself about the path of good, I've shared this with Some of you, when I want to give in to instinct as opposed to the way of love in life, I remind myself, good thing I love Jesus. Good thing I love Jesus. Or I would have responded this way, but instead, instead I'm going to remember whose I am. where Christ would have us go, and that is towards the kingdom of God, where swords are beaten and spears bent into weapons, into tools of community and cultivation. So the season four Sundays before Christmas, we are preparing to celebrate the birth of Christ Jesus. And if you think about it, think about celebrating uh, the birthday of someone you love. How do you prepare for that? Just a couple months ago, I was preparing the party for my father, who I love very much and I picked out a special cake, and I splurged on it, and I thought about some gifts, then I thought again. I got decorations, just like we do at Christmas. We put up decorations, we think about food, we think about presents. But that's not the only way you celebrate The life of someone who is so very important, so very close to you, who has shaped and formed and guided you, whose life you cannot imagine your life without. And if I can do that for my father's birthday, or for a friend, or for a husband, or for a son, or a daughter, or an aunt, or an uncle? How much more do we have to step away from decorating and cookie-making, all that stuff which is great, and think about what our life would be like without the grace and salvation and love of Christ Jesus? Would we be able to walk through the beauty and the terror the same way? Would we be able to go past those feelings we think will never end to the country of life, as the poet says? Will we be able to notice what is life-giving and urgent in our world today? I just finished rereading the book Snake Oil by Becca Stevens, who's an Episcopal priest who, out of her own experience of sexual violence against her, built a community of healing for women who were leaving addiction, lives of addictions, lives on the street, lives of exploitation. And she writes that. She was sitting in a field one day, and she just noticed the grass, and she noticed the clovers, and she noticed the thistles, these things that people call weeds, and they get thrown away, and nobody notices them much anyway in Tennessee, where she's from. And she took that and built a a community That's self-sustainable by making healing ointments out of the weeds. By reminding the women who feel like they are thistles that are thrown away by society. That they are too loved and saved by the generosity and the light of Christ. But... Becca Stevens reminds us that there are people who want to sell sell us easy healing methods. This bomb will cure all. And healing this world is not easy. Healing ourselves is not easy. We're called prepare by living these next few days, weeks, focused. Focused on where God is calling us to put our energies, our excitement, where God is, yes, judging us, and to accept the grace that comes out of that liberating judgment to go deeper in our lives, go deeper in our work, go deeper with each other, so that we may go to that place of life. So be watchful. Be watchful. Do not be distracted the judgment that will move us ever closer to the way of light in Christ Jesus.